Support for Pivot comes from BetterHelp. How do you know when your social battery is running on empty? Maybe you get a little snippy with your friends or perhaps Scott Galloway. Or maybe you just fantasize about canceling plans, creating one excuse after... You're fantasizing about me? No, 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 never. You're fantasizing about me. Again? Again? Not once. Not once. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Get off my ad right now. All right. Canceling plans, creating one excuse after another, why you have to stay in. I do that to Scott all the time. It's not easy to keep track of how much socializing is right for you. Therapy can help you build more awareness of what you need and when. BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy with licensed professionals. Scheduling is convenient and finding a therapist suited to your style is quick and easy. And we all know Scott Galloway needs therapy. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash pivot today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pivot. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And this is Scott Gallo, and I'm here to announce that I've just declared war on Norway via Twitter. Watch out, Norwegians. <laughs> Public policy what via are you Twitter. What do to Norway? What are you, I'm coming you, for those Norwegians. Why? Those, what did they do to you, Those oil-rich, nice people. Except have and fantastic hair. They're, they're, they have good hair. They're cod or whatever it is. They, what is it? What's Oz, what's, what are Norwegians known for? What's the Norwegian cuisine du jour? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been to Norway ever. Oh, it's nice. I don't know. Every Northern European country is sort of, you go there and you're like, these people get it. They just have nicer they lives. Do. The people are better so looking. So that's why you want it's to just, invade them? No, I, I, I was I was making light of the president's yes. errant use of a platform. Yes, of Twitter. I understand what you were doing. So let's discuss that. Trump tweeted that he would attack 52 sites that are important to Iran, including cultural sites. He also uh, informed Congress um, under the War Powers Act, I guess, yeah. that he was going to do what he was going to do using Twitter. And he said, this is my my— this is the way I'm going to inform you of this, which was kind of nuts. Usually, it's a little different from a day that will live in infamy, which was a speech that Franklin Roosevelt gave um, on Twitter. He's using it pretty much to conduct whatever he's doing. Um, and Congress sort of is sitting on their hands nearby, not knowing what to do. So what do you think about this, Scott? I know you don't like to wade into politics, but this is the story of the week, essentially. Yeah, well, I, I got a lot here. I think there's a lot around strategy. Let, let's just work backwards from— uh, announcing he's on Twitter, he was going to attack 52 cultural sites. That's, that is a war crime. And Robert McNamara, the Secretary of Defense during the Vietnam uh, years, who's actually a brilliant guy, uh, said that you can't defeat an enemy uh, without really empathizing with them. So let's try to empathize a little bit with the Iranians, whether you think the war is justified or the conflict or the, what could break into a war is justified. 1952, the CIA... Uh, orchestrates uh, the coup and they overthrow a democratically elected leader there and we install our guy who's corrupt. So the Iranians, bottom line, just don't like us much. And if you were to, if we were to announce via Twitter, or better yet, if the Iranians were to announce via Twitter that, okay, over the next 90 days, 
we're going to execute a cyber attack or an act of military intervention or terrorism on a public university, an amusement park, Monticello, and a tech campus. Yep. Uh, how would we react to that? There is nobody at home with a whiteboard and a pen going, on a risk-adjusted basis, what happens with these decisions and who garners or seeds advantage? These strategically well, are just you know the stupid like? decisions in the world. You. Do you know who you sound like today? Who's Tucker that? Carlson. Tucker's right, Tucker's right on this yep. issue. Tucker's right on this issue. Well, it's interesting. Who's benefiting here? It's really – but let's get back to the Trump thing. Using the using the platforms, again, to, to govern is really fascinating. I don't know what to say about it. I don't know if you should take them off Twitter or not take them. A lot of people are what calling do you do? for that. What do you do? What do you, what do you think? Do? Nothing. What do you think Nothing. Twitter does? I don't, I don't know what they can do. Nothing. Yeah. What do you do? Take them. You don't take them off. Can't. You don't. It's president. It doesn't say you can't do that. Yeah. Right. He he specializes. Is it doesn't say you can't. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what you do. I don't know if you like. There are a lot of people are saying, oh, he's threatening violence. He's threatening this, and of course he is. But what do you do? Like, especially, I think the, the the stuff he did about the cultural sites is just ridiculous because he's actually committing crimes in front of people, which is his kind of mo. Years from now, it'll be used in court, I suppose, depending on what happens. But I think one of the things that is disturbing is that he's he's governing by it. And he's been doing it since the, he did the Commerce Department thing. He did things like gender people in the military. Um, and so he's using he's using Twitter as his governing vehicle, as he's used it for his campaign vehicle. And it's the same, one and the same thing. And I think that's really it's fascinating. Strange. And I just, I don't know what to do. do you, what would you do if you were Jack Dorsey? I don't, you know, the bottom line is they're in an impossible situation. And I, I, I agree with you. I don't think they can do they can do anything, but uh, I mean, I just and I, I apologize. We're regressing into general strategy here, but mm-hmm. look at That's all right. look at what they've done I like, here. I like General Scott Galloway. We, we with the JCPOA, <laughs> with, with the Iranian nuclear deal, the Europeans and the mm-hmm. Americans had some leverage over the U.S. and we were starting to talk again. And it felt like both sides were making body language that they wanted to have yeah. greater diplomacy. And all of a sudden, with that greater diplomacy and some sympathy towards the West, you had a younger generation of Iranians. I grew up in L.A. Some of my best friends, I know this I, when people say it, the Iranian culture is a super impressive culture. The Iranians Absolutely. I know are more American than almost any uh, uh, immigrants I know. They really? value education. They like to make money. They're industrious. They're smart. They have incredible mm-hmm. respect for culture. This is an impressive culture and an impressive people. And you had a young cohort that was starting to protest in the streets. They didn't like the conservative hardliners. And what have we done? We have handed a gift to the conservative hardliners. Everyone is now rallying around them. And we had given them license to attack a nation that is run by a guy who is under impeachment for high crimes and misdemeanors by one of the branches of government, has a rules of populace, or rules of populace, presides over a populace that is not going to go into the Middle East a third time. So we are just... We are just flaccid. Yeah. We are running up to these guys, forcing them to respond. We have yeah, special ops. We have special ops posts and bases all over the Middle East that are vulnerable now. They could fire rockets into Israel. They could mess with the Straits of Hormuz. They could yeah. cyber attack medical facilities in the U.S. We have well, so know, many vulnerabilities yes, right now. I think cyber cyber security is going to be the real issue. They've already started, and I think Iran has been a big player. We, we focus a lot on the Russians, but Iran has been a big player in cyber attacks, and I think that's definitely going to be something. One of the things I, I spent time explaining to my kid, this, he was like, well, why? This guy was terrible. The uh, uh, 
the, the general they killed, and as a terrorist, is a hundred percent a killer and a terrorist. Um, but it does, it plays right into their hands. You're right. But you know, it, why? It, like, why, what? Which one do you want to pick to kill of these terrible people running Iran? Um, but uh, but you're right. It's. Uh, it's a really it, – it just has no strategy. If there wasn't any – why would you think there was any strategy? It's totally impulsive. And I think what – the best story I think of all – and then let's get to other topics is um, is the time story about how the, the, uh, the government, the, the people from the Defense Department gave him 10 options or whatever, how many options they give the president. And Obama and George Bush uh, had uh, – uh, George Bush part two um, had passed on this option. They always put it on there like yeah. here's the crazy option number 10 and he goes right to the crazy the option. And, and what do they do? They they shouldn't put it on there. They shouldn't give him the idea to do it. Um, that's what's amazing is that he went well, to, and that and everyone sort of everyone in the Defense Department off the record is telling the New York Times and the Wall Street uh, Journal and Washington Post we don't this is crazy the cultural sites this is crazy having attacked him but they did it anyway and then they don't talk on the record that's that's my like I'm like is someone going to speak up on the record that this is insanity and of course they're not course yeah they're the, not. the there's so much that's really frightening here because uh, greatness is in the agency of others. There is a wisdom of crowds, and he is clearly not listening to even second-order security analysts or NSA analysts or CIA analysts who might say, you know what, somebody in the room raised their hand and said, okay, there is a very a, a moral, a legal, and a strategic justification for taking out Suleiman. He was the, the entity, the strategist behind a lot of proxy attacks that killed Americans. I get it. I'm glad he's dead. The question is, should they have done it in Baghdad? And, and, and you know, Dick Cheney and all this people, when they go back to Iraq, they, say, well, they, they would always start their defense or Prime Minister Tony Blair with, well, I think the world is better with Saddam Hussein dead. No, he's not. Bring him back. An awful man. Mm. He absolutely. Mm. I don't believe in heaven and hell, but would, would serve time in hell, no doubt. We are worse off because he's dead. And with Suleiman killed in Baghdad, we are worse off. And, they, it, 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 and the most frightening thing here is he is clearly not listening to anybody at the I know yeah. people at the NSA. I know people at the CIA. They are way too smart to have recommended this course of action. So we have yeah. a rogue president with no, without the support. He goes to Lindsey Graham. What does that mean? And doesn't inform Democratic senators, regardless of political bias here. If he needs money to fight the war that he might have catalyzed, he's not going to get it. So he's every day he speaks louder and cuts it's his really stick in interesting. half. It's really especially the backdrop of the impeachment hearings that are coming back this week. That's going to obviously take attention. And Nancy Pelosi still hasn't delivered the articles of impeachment to the Senate yet. So and and just right now, as I was coming in, apparently John Bolton's willing to testify if he's subpoenaed, which yeah. he's not going to be. Which was interesting. This whole thing is like the wheels are coming off the bus. But we'll we'll see where it goes. Um, I, I hate to move on to something so ridiculous, but the Golden Globes, of course, took place, which <laughs> was fascinating. Nice which segue. Was <laughs> Thank oh, you. Yeah. Which is fascinating that it didn't cover, it didn't talk a lot about Trump it, the, through the whole time. Usually, he's been the topic of Hollywood's ire yeah. quite a bit. But actually, the, the the tech companies got whacked at Golden Globes. Did you see the opening? Though, did you see Ricky Gervais's opening? Yes, about Apple. Which one? Well, he just about he Netflix. Just, you said they if didn't ISIS talk about had a streaming service. He didn't talk about <laughs> Trump. The reason they didn't talk about Trump was he summarized it perfectly. He said, "Okay." If ISIS started a streaming video platform, you'd have their agent yes. call them. So let, let's do us all a favor. If you get on stage, you get a award. Regarding politics, yeah. just shut the fuck up and get the, get off yeah. the stage. None of you have the moral yeah. authority, much less the education or, or, or the domain expertise to begin using this platform as a means of talking about politics, as we, of course, talk about politics on a tech podcast. But anyways, it, it was—I loved—I watched, I watched it. What was interesting for me about watching the Golden Globes— 
was I started watching a lot of it vis-a-vis Twitter. I didn't have the patience to get through the program, so I was watching a lot of the clips. And I wonder if Twitter is starting to do to TV what Facebook and Google have done to newspapers and print. But it was, I thought, I thought it was a news delivery service. It's such a successful news delivery service, I think. Yeah, it really is. Did you watch the Golden Globes? I didn't. I watched it on Twitter. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly right. And what were your favorite moments? I watched the good parts. It was fascinating. So many attacks on tech. I thought that was interesting. It's sort of finally funneling down, you know, and and the fact that so many so many tech companies were up for awards and didn't win them. Netflix uh, only got two two wins out of thirty four nominations for Laura Dern for Marriage Story. She was fantastic in it. Olivia Coleman for The Crown. Um, Irishman didn't win. The Two Popes, unbelievable. All kinds of shows didn't win. Fleabag won. Best show Fleabag, on television yes. last year. Fleabag. Yes, but it was interesting they didn't win, but they attacked an Apple being a sweatshop, yeah, the Netflix ISIS one, the Facebook uh, Sasha Baron Cohen one. Genius! Did you hear that? Did you <laughs> yes, hear that guy? We'll play it later. Oh, my God. He had the best line of the night. Oh, my He's, God. I loved I, it. I, we so I got to get him to come to Sasha. code now. I got to get him to come to code Oh, now. my Just gosh. That guy's a genius. That guy is a genius. And he's doing a lot of good. Here's what I thought the goal. It seemed like, given the war stuff that's going on, I was like, oh, God, these people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, hardly pointful. I think it must—I think Ricky Gervais was thinking that. Like, oh, this group of people in this time and place is just, like, kind of uh, peripheral, I guess. Peripheral is what I would—I I thought was interesting about it. That's what it felt a little bit. But there's there's actually but, research. Uh, my colleague, a gangster colleague, Professor Adam Alter, has appointments at the psychology and of the business school, has done great research showing that in times of stress, comedy surge in yeah. popularity, and in, time, and in good times, uh, everybody wants to watch, you know, Ingrid Bergman films about everybody dying and sad. Mm, and I think, unfortunately, comedies are about to become a lot more popular. And I don't—I'm curious—I'm actually, for the first time in a while, physically worried and tense and anxious about what's going on. And I don't know if it's my age— or that I'm actually just more aware and we should be worried. But I remember thinking, I really want to watch the Golden Globes because I need to get my mind off. Anyway, we've got to go to a break. When we get back, we'll be doing wins and fails and a new segment called Mandatory Happiness. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back. Wins and fails. Scott, why don't you go first? You want me to go first? Yes, okay, I can well, go first if you uh, like. I mean, my, you know my win. My win is Sasha Baron Cohen. Let's roll tape. The hero of this next movie is a naive, misguided child who spreads Nazi propaganda and only has imaginary friends. His name is Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry, this is an old intro for The Social Network. Sasha, who's your win? My win is Richard Plepler, uh, who is going to Apple to work on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, I was correct about my prediction. He's doing it through his, uh, his uh, company himself. He's going to be making things exclusively for them. Um, obviously, he left AT&T's—after at and he bought uh, Warner Media. Uh, he, you know, he hated those people, <laughs> just pretty much hated them. But he was responsible for things like Game of Thrones and Big Little Lies and Soprano, everything. So Richard Plepler is a, a terrific maker of TV. So here's hoping that Apple will make better TV by hiring him. Um, and so I thought that was, a, I think that that's a win for them. Yeah, it is uh, that guy on top of the assets or the capital that, that Tim Cook and Apple are willing to throw at this. We're going to have some incredible, we're going to be more great original scripted television. He's got, everybody loves Richard Pepler, including me. Um, and I think he's, uh, I think he's just, can, can, he has a network. He's got the curiosity. You know, some people are like, oh, he's later in his career. But God, I've never seen someone more enthusiastic. You know what I mean? He's still like engaged and uh, I find him to be highly relevant, and I think the stuff he makes has been, you know, just he isn't really he didn't get you know it's interesting he and I often talk about the stuff he missed, uh, Homeland. I think he passed on that. He just is he's he's very smart. He's missed a few things, but he then recovers really quickly. Like I think they passed on Billions, which went to Showtime, and then he made Succession, which I you could argue is better. Um, so uh, so anyway, I really I think it's gonna I'm really interested to see what he creates because I think Apple hasn't really put enough real talent to that, to the money they have yet. So, anyway. Good, what's Richard. your uh, What's your fail, Scott? Yeah, I don't have a fail. I'm trying to stay optimistic. Uh, I'm going to skip fail today because I'm, I'm not... Okay, I'll do a fail. <laughs> I, I think the biggest mistake, and I can't help it, I'm going to talk about uh, the Trump administration. I think the biggest mistake of this administration, uh, you know, the, the bigotry, the misogyny, the lack of empathy, that's all incredibly di- uh, <laughs> distressing. The... The, the dangerous stupidity of eroding in what is just a couple years or three years, what is probably the most powerful alliance in the history of modern civilization, and that's the North Atlantic Treaty. Did you notice how none of the Europeans came to our aid? They all basically said, boss, this is your mess. I mean, none of them. We have taken incredible armies, intelligence, people with shared values, and we've just said, we no longer need you. And we've offended them. And now we are we are running around the world again, speaking super loudly with a stick that is splintering and chipping and getting smaller and smaller. And I think that will go down as the biggest failure 
of this this errant this errant three and a half years as is taking and uh, our friends, people that we stand shoulder to shoulder with, and just saying, you know what, we we don't need you, we don't like you. It's just it's it's a fail of epic proportions. <laughs> oh God, Kara, can can we start drinking? Can we no, start we drinking? This, this war has really shook you up. It very much shake you up. Well, it's really interesting. unfortunately, I'm thoughtful, and I can do math. It, it, it literally appears I none of these it. folks have actually written out a scenario plan on a risk-adjusted basis. What are the likely responses here? It just— um, Yep. I think every yep. there was, professor there was a of bunch strategy of in the world or every game theorist is like yeah, scratching was their a, head. Yeah, there was a theory. There was someone, I, I tweeted a, a, one of the one of the theories, like it was 10 or 12 different things. And it was super helpful, but it was disturbing. Like yeah. everyone's super disturbed because it's someone just— and the, the, the part that's most disturbing is that the people left in the White House are literally the dregs. Like we've got the dregs and inexperienced people there making these decisions. And you just the idea that Jared Kushner is making decisions on this, on my life and lives of my kids. You know, my son actually— who's 17, he's turning 18, was like, do you think I'll be drafted? He said that to me. Like, I was like, I don't know. Like, I hope not. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was just, it was really, I'd never thought of that. And it was interesting that he was already there, right? You know, the idea that we're going to have a war. I have a draft story. When I was, um, I think, 16 or 17, we invaded Grenada. My mom freaked (laughs) out and got me British citizenship. I became a dual citizenship such that I wouldn't have to leave for Canada. I didn't even know what she was talking about. I didn't know what Grenada was. And about the moment... About the moment, seconds. about the moment we heard from the Queen that I was now a dual citizen, um, uh, Britain declared war on the Falkland Islands, and I got a notice saying that I needed to, to register for Her Majesty's <laughs> Royal that Navy. Was, what, Fifteen minutes. Yeah. Jesus. So my mom oh, accidentally God. almost Grenada. almost got me uh, got me uh, working for the Royal Navy. But anyways. Oh my God, Scott in the army would be. That just, just doesn't work, does it? <laughs> that does not work. Anyway. Yeah. You would be in the break. You no, would be in the break. Work. All right. My fail is this story in the. I just had a big argument on CNBC about it. New York wanted Amazon HQ2 so badly than we that we realized. According to the Wall Street Journal, state officials offered $800 million more in incentives that was previously known, including tax incentives to hire more um, uh, p- uh, people of color, promote diversity, and pay their part of employees' salaries. They were going to pay part of employees' salaries in different parts of the state. It wasn't just New York. Um, you know, and at, at the same time, New York Times had a story this weekend about how, ma- how many more tech companies are going to the west side of New York, uh, New York City, uh, Manhattan. Um, so I had an argument with David Faber, who thought it was a mistake to not have allowed uh, Amazon to create that campus, and they should have done the incentives. And then everyone on Twitter was attacking for me for being a socialist, <laughs> which I was like, no, I don't want to give rich people money. Anyway, what do you think of this? What do you what do well, you Kara, you're, you're not the socialist. You're the only capitalist in the room. And what CNBC and David Faber are is they're the worst type of socialists. They're cronyists. They want national champions and have decided that companies they think are cool should get certain benefits. I've, you know, along with several talented people, created a company in New York that had 140 high-paying jobs. And according to Cuomo and de Blasio, that means I'm entitled to $17 million in subsidies, which I would spend on a helicopter pad, a Bombardier Challenger 300 with ProLine 21 Rockwell. Rockwell Avionics, and a Bell H-43 helicopter. That is literally what I could have bought, according to de Blasio, David Faber, and Mario, Governor Cuomo, that what my company was entitled to. But instead, we say, okay, the company that is the third most valuable company in the world, we're going to be socialists, and we're going to pick winners and losers. So when you walk into a room with David Faber and CNBC, there's there's a capitalist in the room, and that makes them the other guys. They're the worst type of socialists. They're cronious. National champions picking winners and losers. Mario Cuomo and, and 
or Governor Comer and Mayor de Blasio are literally going to go down as the worst poker players in history. And by the way, by the way, all the jobs they promised in exchange for soaking our municipal fire, police, and school districts, all those jobs are coming here anyways, because this is where Bezos wants to roll. They have already hired 1,500 incremental people for Amazon, another 500 people for AWS. They are on track to hire more people than they promised should we give them the billions of dollars. This is... Uh, Governor Cuomo and, and Mayor de Blasio are terrible capital allocators. They're terrible CEOs of municipal of the municipal treasury. You're you're the capitalist in the room, Kara. Thank you. Will you go on Twitter and say that? <laughs> because I'm being attacked by all the men of Twitter because I'm a lady socialist. I will declare war on them. I will attack their <laughs> Please, cultural I need sites. You. I need you to be the Mandalorian there. All right, we're going to go to a new set. We're going to skip predictions today and go. We're going to do Friday predictions. But we have a new section that we're trying out uh, called Mandatory Happiness. This is for you, Scott, because you right. need a little lift. I see that. All right, thank you. What's happening here. Um, I, want, I want to test out something. We're testing out all kinds of new segments because we have so much. We have twice a week. we got to come up with new uh, gigaws for you fans of ours. Um, so it's it's not uh, related to algebra of happiness, but it kind of is. Like So the news is stressful. It's so depressing. You're clear really needing in need of a drink at I'm this upset, time of morning. Um, I want you to take a minute and share one positive thing, and you go first. You want me to go first on this? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, I think role models are really important. And and my one of my role models is actually my book agent, a guy named Jim Levine. He's this tall, handsome guy. I think he's in his 70s who um, is just great at what he does, married for 40 years, Super into his family, works out every day. Just the guy I want to be uh, as I get older. I have a tremendous res- amount of respect for this guy, and does something he loves and makes a really good living at it. And he he was um, started his career as a child psychologist. And I asked him. I said, "Like I I I, I feel like I'm an average to good dad. I aspire to be a good to great dad." And I said, "What what advice? What piece of advice would you have as someone who studied child psychology mm-hmm. for the bulk of your career?" And he said, "You know, there's so much conflicting data out there, but the one." kind of absolute for me is always try and find moments of engagement with your children. Find something that you Mm. share and then make them rote and repeat them, whether it's Tuesday pizza night, always reading reading to them a certain book. I've been telling my both my son's stories about my my parents immigrating to America. And over the week uh, uh, in Montana, my son discovered this wonderful new program called Lost in Space. It's the reboot Mm -hmm. of the old Yes, I watched it when I was a kid. I love the show. Oh, my gosh. Warning, Will Robinson. This is a gift. uh, So just a shout-out to Molly Parker as Maureen Robinson, Maxwell Jenkins as Will Robinson, Mina Sundwell as Penny Robinson, Parker Posey, who's great in this, as Dr. Smith. She plays the crazy Dr. Smith. The crazy gay Dr. Smith. That's right. And Toby Stevens as John Robinson uh, in this incredible reboot. And it just shows you what's happened to television. Netflix. Netflix. It's Netflix. They spent $80 bucks on this thing. The special effects. Facts. The thing you're going to love about this show is not only is it a way to create moments of engagement with your your boys, but the characters in it are really strong female female leaders. Uh, so they have these. They just did this right. It's 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 a fan, it's great effects, great storytelling, and for someone in my generation, your generation, it cre- you just start wanting to like it, and they give you a ton of reasons to like it. So moments of engagement with my sons. That is my mandatory moment of happiness. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go with a movie, too. Nice. Uh, having gone to several movies this weekend, I went, I went to see Star Wars, and I also went to see Bombshell, which I loved, by the way. That was a terrific movie, too. You like that? Uh, I did. It's not doing as well, but it was great. It was a great movie. Um, 
uh, is is the the reboot, uh, the second Top Gun. I'm sorry. I love Top Gun so, so much. I hate myself for it, but I love it. And they showed the, a new trailer for it, uh, which I loved. And, you know, a lot of volleyball playing with their shirts off, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Even though I'm gay, I love it. I love the whole thing. Uh, and even though I, I really can't stand Tom Cruise, I really love Tom Cruise. It's terrible. It's a terrible conundrum for me. He's a movie star. Um, Tom Cruise is a and, movie star. No doubt about yeah, it. He he's is. a movie star. And he's like, there's some couple of lines in it that are so hokey and it's so good. And then he comes up, they lift him up onto the deck and they play the music and he's on the, I don't know. I just love it. I'm so happy. I'm going to be so. So wait, there's a new remake of Top Gun? Yeah, not a new remake, a part two. It's 25 years later and oh, he's I training the new recruits, including Miles Teller. Oh, uh, you know what would be oh more fun is to have You're drunk, ugly Val Kilmer back. That would make the movie. No, 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 because he's like, no, he didn't, he did not age well. Tom Cruise is aged well. He hasn't, no, he hasn't aged well. He hasn't aged. It makes you want to be a Scientologist. I don't know what they're doing there, yeah, injecting I'm, sheep whatever. embryo into his neck or something. He looks no different. I will have a better one next week, but movie previews made me happy this I week. I owned you on that one. Moments you of did. engagement you with did. the dog and his, his <laughs> little dogs. You right. I like my kids, too. But anyway, anyway, it's time for us to go. Okay. This has been both funny and also touching. I'm freaked out, Kara. Hold me. Don't worry. I am freaked Scott. out. <laughs> did you get my present? Did you, you keep talking present? about that. I hate it when people send me gifts. It's in then, Florida. It was delivered. I'm terrible I checked with, with I not don't FedEx. Open mail. I used I used UPS or Postal Service. It is at your house in Florida where you told me to send it. I sent okay. you the gift you wanted, okay. and you did not get the it. The gift I you? wanted? Lonnie Anderson? Wait, what's the <laughs> gift I wanted? <laughs> Just Lonnie, it's WKRP in Cincinnati. Yes, she was very cute then. She it's Lonnie right. Anderson We're hand in hand age. with Barbara no one knows Eden. Here for the dog. Is. No one knows Jeannie, get to your Anderson bottle. Is. Listen Sorry, to me. go ahead. Listen to me. Okay. I okay. sent you a present. Right. You need to get it in Florida. When are you going to Florida next? This will be a win-win because I'll turn them lesbian. You're you are going to get, <laughs> when I would like knowledge of my present. Oh my God, Rebecca is shaking. I got her no present. That's definitely not going to make the show. Yes, it is. That's yes, on it the is. Anyway, it's time to go. We're going to be back Friday. We're going to do predictions, and we're going to have all new features. We're going to have a lot of different features. We're going to do therapy of Scott every week, things like Ugh. that. We're going to do all kinds of fun things. I need it. You do need it. Meanwhile, if you have any questions about a story you're hearing in the news for us to answer next week or this week, send to pivot at voxmedia.com. Scott, would you like to read the credits today? My credits go to you for owning CNBC, (laughs) those socialist bitchy cronies. You go on there, you thwack them off the head. The white men who watch it are mad at Kara Swisher. Just go on and defend me, please. Now read the credits, Scott Galloway, General Galloway. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis and Eric Johnson. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson, uh, who, by the way, I got to spend some wonderful time with Erica and her uber cool girlfriend. That was one of my highlights. That was one of my wins. You were all in, like, rich people land in Montana skiing, right? Well, I was working, right? Is that correct? Yeah, poor you. Cry you a river. Anyways, (laughs) as you go on CNBC, uh, special thanks to Rebecca Castro and Drew Burrows. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us and also download us, leave comments. Uh, Generally, just try and absorb all things us from any platform possible. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. There's nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed with what's right with America. We will see you later in the week.